0: Hello, this is Neil Curran and you're listening to the Neil Plus One podcast, but I bet you already knew that. This week on the podcast, I speak with a very good friend of mine, a lady by the name of Jacqueline Cherry. I had the good fortune of first meeting Jacqueline at Improv Utopia East, the very first Improv Utopia East in Pennsylvania some years ago, and we have been remained friends ever since. And we've been quite fortunate, despite the vast distance between Detroit and Dublin, we have been quite fortunate that we have met up at a number of festivals and camps since then. Uh, Earlier this year, we were both attending the Phoenix Improv Festival, and we sat down and had a chat about all things improv, and got a little bit of insight into all of the things that happen in Detroit uh, with the scene that they have there. So I do hope you enjoy it. Hello again. It's Neil. A very tired, sunnied Neil. And I'm here with Jacqueline Cherry from Detroit.
1: Detroit! Hi, Jackie. Hi.
0: So uh, we're in Phoenix together. Mm-hmm. You did a show last night.
1: I did. How was your show? It was super fun. Um, it was definitely like a different venue. Um, it was beautiful. Uh, and Mike and I did our, our duo. It was it was great. The crowd was really receptive and um, supportive.
0: Natural Born Killers.
1: Natural Born Killers.
0: <laughs> and have you, how long have you guys been doing that
1: show? Um, we've been a duo since 2014. We were part of a six-person troupe. And there was one night for like a late-night set, and the other four couldn't make it. And so we... <laughs> Did a duo, and we discovered that we loved playing together.
0: Improv matchmaking. Yeah. (laughs) Turn up so they know how great they are.
1: Yeah. Um, And both of us were very notorious for like hugging the back line and only coming out once or twice, and so this really pushed us to like be on stage the whole time and be present and support each other, and now we're kind of addicted. Yay. Yeah,
0: and it's a nice theater that this festival is in it's beautiful yeah, really nice very posh yeah. it's, such, it's funny watching shows that you, you, know, you can see the improvisers who come from places where they're used to playing in small black box theaters mm-hmm. and then suddenly they have this <laughs> football field stage and they don't know what to do with all the yeah. space and
1: That's backstage cool. you're like we're going to use so much space and we're going to use the chairs and everything and then everyone just ends up standing yeah. and doing like a talking <laughs> heads anyway
0: Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> so tell us about improv in Detroit
1: Okay, um, it's really grown over the past couple of years. We have three, three theaters that do long form, and then we have um, a short form, comedy sports. Um, and all, most of the theaters are uh, under 10 years old, except for Planet Ant. That was founded in, like, 1994, so that's been going for a while. That's, uh, the, is that like, a police theater? Yeah, it was a coffee house, and then Keegan like had a show he wanted to put up, and so they they put up a show at the coffee house, and then it slowly turned into a theater, and um, some people started an improv night, and it's been going every Monday night oh, since since then. It's really
0: cool because you play in all the theaters in Detroit.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah,
0: sports, uh, and planning on, like they're cool, really cool spaces. The no mm-hmm. planet is in this part of town that feels real sketchy, <laughs> or dodgy, as we say back then. Uh-huh. And, and there you have this wonderful creative home. In the middle of it all. <laughs> this
1: big purple house with an ant on the side yeah. of it. <laughs> um,
0: so, you know, with Detroit so close to Chicago, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, how do you feel the scene evolved in Detroit? You know, did, you know, was it independent, or do you think Chicago had a huge influence on the development in Detroit?
1: I think it had some influence definitely because we had a a second city in Detroit, um, I want to say for 10 years. It closed in like 2005, 2006. And so we still have a lot of that influence. Like a lot of people that trained there and performed there now either opened a theater or are teaching. And so a lot of us that started after that are still getting that like second city influence um, in terms of writing sketch and improvising and and then there's you know other other influences as well but that was a huge so
0: and what about yourself now in improv because um, you're you're quite a d- diverse variety in uh, performing life because you're a stage pre- stage performer because mm-hmm. stage stage you're as you also a scripted actor as well That's yes yes and um, so what what approach what what do you consider your style in improv to be
1: I think my style tends to be very, um, I mean, when I'm at my strongest, like grounded and and like a focus on on real emotion and and real characters, I guess. Um, Not to say that I don't love being silly and and playing, you know, in different situations and things, but I think ultimately I'm always at my strongest when it's just like coming from like a truthful place.
0: Yeah, and you could kind of see that in the duo show last night. Like, there was, it was very, it was very theatrically staged.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The way you did that kind of handover monologue thing,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: was which was nicely presented to the audience. You know, you can see that coming out on, on the performance,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is really cool. That's good. Yeah. So you know, we met managed improvly. Yay!
1: Yay! Camp. <laughs> uh,
0: so t- share with me then, because uh, you you've got such a nice presence on stage. Share with us like some of the useful tips and things you've picked up over the years that really helped you?
1: Okay. Um, well, I actually started as a, as a scripted actor before I did improv, so I think that's always been an influence on my on my improvising. Um, I mean, a big thing, yeah, is like stage presence, just knowing, you know, when you're acting, you like cheat out to the audience, and um, but when you're on stage with someone you know really just like making eye contact and really listening to what they're saying and letting it influence you in acting it's not just oh i have a line and i'm going to say it and now i'm acting you know half of your performance is reacting to what other people say and that's where your your line comes out next influenced by what the person said before so you know in improv it's really easy to like be three steps ahead of your partner like oh they said this so i'm going to like make this happen but the minute they say something else or have a different reaction you've just got to be ready to roll with it and so I think that's where the acting kind of helps with that
0: be positive.
1: I'm just trusting that
0: and so there's a controversial question uh oh um, so with, with improvisers who don't have that background mm-hmm. performing on stage because let's be honest there's a lot of improvisers globally we're not picking on Detroit by the way there's a lot of improvisers around the world that don't have that background because a lot of people mm-hmm. fall in love with improv take classes realize they want to perform and may never have set a foot inside a theater prior mm-hmm. to getting into improv. So how do, you find, how do you find that experience of when having such a theatrical background and then performing with people who don't? Do mm-hmm. you find challenges there in what you yeah. like and what you want to do?
1: Um, yes and no, and I think it, it works both ways. Like, sometimes for me, if I'm playing in a jam with someone who's just in intro one with no background... Like, yeah, maybe their back is to the audience because they don't know any better. But it's so, I learned so much from them because they're com- they're coming at it from this unfiltered perspective and just reacting and and responding how, how they know. And it's just through them instead of, sometimes I feel like I have this, like, theatrical mask over what I'm doing. Um, so it kind of goes both ways where... Um, it can be a strength and a weakness to have experience or not have experience. Mm-hmm. I guess that does, I don't know if that really answers the question, but. No, it
0: doesn't. Do you, um, your scripted theater fans look down their nose at your <laughs> improv? We don't do so, it either.
1: Sometimes, and vice versa. Um, a lot of actors are terrified of improv because they're like, how do you know what to say? And I think they're just so, they go hand in hand. You know, improv just doesn't have a script. And, and scripted acting, you know what you're going to say, but you still have to you still have to find the, the truth behind it. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. It's always interesting, I find, uh, you know, when you get regular people, I was going to say, when you get people who don't have a performing background and they're learning improv, and when you have actors and they're learning improv, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to see how the paths are different to achieve the same goal, mm-hmm. and then there's that point where the actors, like, grow their confidence, get on stage, and do all the stuff that they're used to from theater. Um, and, and it's kind of funny to see how that comes out. Um, do you think there's a place? Like, I asked somebody else this question the other day. What do you call improv? And what I mean by that is some people call it improv comedy, some call it improv hmm. theater, some just call it improv. Uh, someone else, somebody, they just call it spontaneous theater rather than saying improv. What do you oh. consider it to be? Put plums on seats, apparently.
1: <laughs> um, I really like spontaneous theater because. Well, yeah it is kind of that um yeah i mean i love improv because it does it is ultimately funny and i i think the funniest improv is you know the the truth in comedy perspective like um when you try to be funny it's not funny but when you're just playing it real um that's where the 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 comedy comes out and so i don't I don't have issues with calling it improvisational comedy, but the goal—the goal shouldn't be be funny. It should just be present this this thing. This, yeah. I mean, you don't go see a a play hoping like, oh, I only hope to laugh. You know, I you want to be influenced by whatever the story is, and yeah. and I think that's what the goal is with improv too. Do you think that's true? I mean,
0: I'm asking a question here now, but mm-hmm. uh, do you think that's true? Like, I mean. <clears throat> one of the joys for me with improv that I don't think we often see a lot of Mm -hmm. I are that carefully because I'm I'm generalising here Uh Um, but you know well let me put it another way you know when you go to see a comedy show or a comedy film or a stand-up show and you have a blast you have a ball and you come out of it and you say God that was so much fun that was really great all that bit that was so funny Uh where are we going for beers and then that tends to be the end of the conversation whereas when you go to a piece of theatre a piece of drama the conversation can be deep where people start to debate characters and things like that and uh, I I often think that you know we don't see enough of that creeping into improv or we see shows and uh, maybe more narrative any thoughts around that
1: yeah um I would love I mean that would be like a, a a perfect mind-blowing improv show for people to still be talking about a scene or a story and have a takeaway from it beyond like oh that was really fun or how did they do that without a script um I think when you're an audience member and you go into a show, your mentality is different. But, um, yeah, that would be... I I mean, there are are certain improv shows I've seen or sets or scenes I've seen, and, and they still stick with you, you know, and you think about them or talk about them. And sometimes you can't really explain... What was so great about it? Except that it was just this this thing that happened, and and it will never be the same again. The cult like of
0: improv, you yeah. just have to be there. <laughs> you have Come to, and join. Oh, I hate You'll
1: that. <laughs> I um I've done a lot of writing with um a teacher and artistic director of Planet Ant. His name is Sean Hanlon, and his big thing when we're writing is is don't try to be funny. Try to be interesting. Um, because if you're not funny, at least you're interesting. Like try to do stuff that. Hasn't been seen before, and if it ends up being funny, great. Um, and so that's—I think—that's really like where I come at improv. I'd love to tell a story that hasn't been told before, and hope that you know it's entertaining and and funny along the way.
0: Yeah, which is challenging for improvisers. I can't remember which improviser said this originally. I think it—I either Nick Nick Fikowski, I was going to say <laughs> Nick
1: Fikowski, <laughs> one in the same,
0: Ultimate uh, <laughs> Universe podcast, and Nick Armstrong or Craig Kaczkowski. One of them said anyway. I think. And, you know, you're going to play 4,000 cops over your improv career. You're make all of them interesting. So that's a challenge for It is. Stock characters become the norm. hmm How do you handle this?
1: Oh. I always... I guess I just always try to approach a character... Um, I, I do a lot of improvising from an emotional point of view, which isn't always the deepest level of a character, but it's at least a jumping-off point. So if I'm going to play a, 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 a doctor or a, a, a male or, you know, someone that I'm that's not Jacqueline, um, I generally also try to attach, like, an emotion or, like, how am I feeling that day or just something along with it. It doesn't always work or, like, carry through the rest of the scene, but it's... I I try to at least come at it instead of just, like, you know, like a a stereotype or a stock character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us
0: a bit about Diff, Detroit Improv Festival. You're donning donning the the clothing range
1: at the moment. Um, The Detroit Improv Festival, this is going to be our seventh year in August, and I've been a producer for the past four years? I don't know. I've lost track, but... Um, I love our festival, and, um, you know, it's grown. It's grown just as any festival has, and we've found a a good balance of of venues and and headliners and out-of-town troops and local troops, I think. Um, But this is the first year that I've been traveling to other festivals, so it's really cool to see what other festivals do and kind of get a feel as a performer, like, what really matters, what doesn't it's easy when you're on the planning side to think that all these little details are going to make or break the festival when really as a performer you're like okay, cool, I know when I'm supposed to show up and, and that's really what's important
0: So with festival, like we, uh, we have a lot of festivals around the world it's great, it's mm-hmm. almost like a, you know, your local <laughs> 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 whatever the cultural reference is yeah. and so how do you, like, with a festival like you're going six years, how do you mm-hmm. keep the festival fresh? Mm-hmm. So that people will come back, because I imagine there's a point in every festival where people are like, oh, "I've been to the before, I've been to the Square before." You know, mm-hmm. How do you keep it fresh?
1: I think we, our goal, and I hope we're successful in it, is always to to treat the performers really well, and I, it's a lot of the feedback that I get as a as a producer. Like, yeah, we re- we just felt so welcomed here. And like it really was this festival mentality Almost like being at camp But like staying in a hotel Um, And so, you know, we have these after parties Where everyone's invited And we, you know, try to give everyone um, A great slot at a great venue And really just support and fill the houses So that people can play in our city And experience what it's like to play in our city Um, But then we also have um, a lot of talent from Detroit that's out in like LA now um, like the 313 Keegan and Mary Beth and Jamie and Nancy and all of them and, and so they'll come back and that's kind of it's kind of how we like get the public involved too. Um, it's hard to promote just an improv festival to the public but we'll bring in like I guess they're sort of celebrities now and, um, and that's kind of what draws the public to see those headliners but then they see these other troops as part of the slot and so I think that that's it's cool and it's a way to bridge you, you, you know, the cult with the public. <laughs> yeah, I mean and it,
0: you know, that works. I mean, you know, it's a great book. And you get heavy hitter teachers as well like Susan M. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she comes every year and
0: uh, which is which is really great. So what advice then do you have to other festival uh, festival producers, mm-hmm. you know, who may be coming across that, I don't know, three, year itch, whatever it, you know, whatever it is in impro- in festival terms. What advice do you have to them about keeping their festival fresh in Nevada? Oh,
1: um... I don't... I'm trying to think. Um Because I came in when Diff was already, you know, past that point, I think. Um... I don't know. Uh, you can edit this long pause <laughs> out. Um,
0: no edits.
1: No! Edits. I'm trying to think because I think that's something that Diff is trying to answer this year. You know, we're on year seven, and we're a nonprofit, and we we you know we like to make our you know we donate profits to other nonprofits um, like the Detroit Creativity Project and stuff. And so we're really trying to find like, well, what's our mission of the festival, and and how are we accomplishing that? And I think that that's answered a lot of questions in how we're planning this year. So you know, like Phoenix, it's. Um, one venue for the weekend, and it seems like the community here is really supportive of improv already. Um, I don't know, Neil. Jacqueline has got so many disappointments. I don't people. know because no, I'm up. like, you know, does Diff keep it fresh every year? I don't know, or is it just that we you just don't want to
0: share your secrets? We don't have. I stuff.
1: don't know if we have any secrets. <laughs> I think just really putting a focus on the art form and the performers, um, and making it making it a welcoming place. I've heard from people going to some other festivals that may are maybe like a little more spread out where the venues aren't, you know, walking distance and everyone's all all scattered throughout a city, it doesn't have the same like festival feel. But if that's not what your goal of the festival is, then I can't criticize that. Yeah, but some some improv festivals have become like epic mm-hmm. like, Is it San Francisco this year? Ten days or something like oh, that? Oh wow. Or something
0: crazy. Maybe maybe not, but yeah. You know, it's pretty epic timing yeah.
1: Yeah. We did a seven-day once, and it was too much. So I guess that's a piece of advice. Like, like find your sweet spot and don't try to, like, overgrow it beyond...
0: I think she's talking to the Irish Festival directly right
1: now. No! We do
0: Can't, well, we do yeah, six.
1: but you guys do so well.
0: Oh, Jackie.
1: When I went to Ireland, every show was sold out, and I felt so welcome as a performer.
0: Right, I'm passing money um, across the table. <laughs> um, um, so... so In terms of you, this is your first festival of the year, or have you been to other festivals?
1: Um, Mike and I went to San Diego back in February. That was our first real festival. We were such newbies. Um, But we had a great time, and it was uh, at Finest City Improv. And their venue felt very much like Planet Ant or Go Comedy, where it's... um, I don't remember how many people it sat, but it was a little more of like a black box feel, and that's what our comfort zone and so we had a great set and really felt welcomed there um yeah we had a great time and i don't know now we're kind of like what other festivals can we apply to and i think we're getting the the itch yeah, the itch, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: so your staff as well for our beloved improv utopia i
1: itch. am yes and i love it.
0: it
1: yeah um well i started going to improv utopia in 2014 i went to the first east camp and I was instantly hooked because it's just, it's an environment that just feels like a family combined with improv, combined with sleeping in cabins and reliving childhood at summer camp. Like, how does it get any better? Um, so then I went to West Camp and I, I hit a period where I went to every camp that there was and I <laughs> kind of overdid it. Um, and yeah, Nick, you know, Nick took on a new, a new job this year and knew that he was going to need some help with some of the camp stuff and asked me to be involved I have an accounting background and I, am very organized and, um, so I've been able to help Nick with a lot of administrative stuff like email lists and, um, uh, like the tax return and that kind of stuff that, that I've been able to take on and take that load off of Nick. And, uh, I love, I love being involved in it. It's such a great, great organization and they give back to the community and everyone loves camp and it's, I love being involved.
0: So, to people, like, on the... Because you said, like, we live in the this have gone to camp, and outside of the mm-hmm. US, we don't necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. Particularly in colder climates. <laughs> um, <laughs> Understandable. So, uh, how would you sell that to the rest of the world?
1: Oh. Um, well, I guess... I mean, I, I honestly, like, only went to camp once as a kid, but it's just... It's just, like... Yeah. I don't... It's like being at a convention, but... More fun? <laughs> but more fun. I mean, you're, like, out in nature. There's activities and things. Um, and then you... I think there's something to be said about, like, being out in nature. Like, everyone has limited cell phone service. And you're just kind of off the grid. And then you're, like, bonding in these workshops. You know, getting vulnerable together. And That's true. and then you go to the bar at night and, you know, you drink. But... <laughs> the next day. But, uh, yeah. Well, some of us. Um... That's what I would say, and camp, I mean, I've made so many connections at camp, and you know, I know improvisers in every, almost every city now, um, which is so cool, it's like this huge, this huge community of just supportive people, like, I don't, I don't know where else you find that.
0: And, to be fair, Improvichoke does that extremely well, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the community feel to it, which is at the core of all
1: the improv mm-hmm. yeah cool. it's very yeah improv is about the ensemble and the group and your partner and, and that's kind of how camp feels like everyone has your back and yeah that feels so nice <laughs> <laughs> it's great cause you know it's other areas of life you don't you don't get that necessarily like you know you work in an office and it's you're there to to you're on a team kind of sometimes it depends where you work but um, it's just so different in the improv world. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: uh, excluding anything you're involved in back home, have you seen any shows recently in the last 12 months that have made you go wow just enjoyed it and inspired you?
1: Uh, like just in- improv shows? Improv shows. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like, I mean of course at, at DIFF I see tons of shows, but that's back home. Um...
0: Well, you can, again, as long as they're not shows you're involved in. Oh, no.
1: No, I'm never inspired by my own shows. (laughs) That would be weird. Um, When I was in L.A. last year, before camp, I saw King Ten play. Um, And not just because they're all my friends, but you can tell that that ensemble has played together, and they, like, they know what each other's going to say or how someone's going to react. And just watching them do that, Harold, like, I remember before you even had a chance to think, like, oh, this is going one way, they would just take it and run with it and... That was really that was really cool to see um, okay. everyone supported every idea that was out there.
0: So and when just, you watch Ten, it's like you don't you forget you're watching Arrow it's just Mhm.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's not like oh this is this is B this is scene B2 or whatever like you just it just flows and it's exciting and and funny too and ultimately it's hilarious. So i going to um, put you
0: under pressure with questions. Uh, any non-US acts when you've been to- out of the U.S. The system? Any non-U.S. effects
1: that have? And um... Good. Well, I did go to Improfest Ireland. That was over 12 months ago. Oh, okay. So. But I did see some really amazing troops. I was nervous as, you know, someone from the U.S. I was like, oh, I wonder how, how it's going to be different over there. And I took a workshop and I was so nervous because I'm like, what if, like... What if the things I do aren't, you know, what if people think, oh, that's weird? <laughs> but what I found, this is so cheesy, but improv is, like, so universal. We all are taught, like, the same basic principles and find them, you know, the yes and, the supporting each other. Um, and so I, you know, played in a in a mixer show and then took a workshop and always felt supported. And then I saw, I think, it, I don't remember the name of the group, but they were from France.
0: Oh, the the unions.
1: Yeah, they were amazing. They just, it was this like organic show. And, you know, I didn't at any point question, like, oh, I wonder what form this is. It was just like, it was just an experience. Um, yeah, and watching Neil plus one, uh, hello. Oh, that guy? Pulling up, an, pulling up a non improviser okay. and making them we feel welcome. Oh, that this That's just too oh. Well, Jack- it was great.
0: <laughs> Jack and Charlie, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Neil.